Great to have you. Happy Thanksgiving. Can you uh, explain what South Carolina did offensively on Saturday, where that came from? Can you figure it out? Well, I think the best thing could have happened then was both their top running backs were out of the game. They were not available. So this this false uh, identity they had created in their minds, at least in mind of the offensive coordinator, they could run the ball against the SEC teams. He had to rethink everything he was doing. And the best thing that could have happened was they put it in the hands of one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, this guy was, was who he was at Oklahoma. He showed you exactly who he was when he got into an offense where the ball was in his hands and he got protected. They left people in to protect him. And actually, the offensive line did a, a phenomenal job protecting him all night long against Tennessee. This guy throws as good a deep ball, and this is not just according to me, but NFL scouts too, as anybody out there. Period. And if you watch the back shoulder throw to Josh Van, who, surprise, surprise, they decided to use Phil. And what happened? Uh, he beats people one-on-one just like he always did when he was all SEC. This is a very dangerous receiver, a big receiver with great body control, and he's got a quarterback throwing it to him. You know, a lot like that guy that got sacked seven or eight times the other day for the Vikings. Mm. But uh, you can't throw them when you're on your back. And guess what? Spencer Rattler was not on his back. And Tennessee was at his mercy. I mean, by the end of it, he was playing with them. That touchdown he threw where he scrambled around a little bit, played a little backyard football, yep. and hit Jaheim Bell in the corner. He was laughing if you go back and watch the game. This guy's a special player. This is not a surprise to me. The only thing that surprises me is that South Carolina's coaches were actually able to figure out, hey, we need to attack to win a football game. And that's what they have to our theme this week's attack. Well, good God almighty. Why do you put on a helmet and strap it up if you're not out there to knock somebody's head off and beat them, mm. whip them? You, know, you can't ball up in a ball and stay in the corner, hide behind, we got a pro-style attack. What is a pro-style attack, first of all? Because um, there's that, that's one of those things you throw out there. It's a blanket cover for when you just grab bagging it. They had a plan going into this game, just like they had a plan in the bowl game. DeCarry and Joyner played a prominent role in this football game. Showed his talent again. And honestly, I thought it was a showcase for the wide receivers, not just with you know with the, with the receptions they were making and, and the, the distribution that Rattler was able to achieve, but their, their perimeter blocking was elite. They dominated Tennessee's defensive backs and their linebackers blocking downfield, if you go back and watch it. Several big runs were aided by that. So it was a total and complete victory for their offense. Congratulations to the coaching staff Phenomenal game plan. I've been waiting to see this. Great West Coast offense, down-the-field throws. Great job by everybody. West Coast offense. Wow, haven't heard that with them, but I think you're exactly right. So my question when I opened the show was, was this a one-off, or is this a new standard for South Carolina's offense? Can they repeat it? Well, of course they can compete it. Uh, can, uh, they, can, they can duplicate it. Um, yep. I, I, I mean – I don't know how else to think uh, than to think about, about uh, like a winner. And I'm not trying to be arrogant or anything like that. But the only way you should ever go into anything, and I believe Shane Beamer's this way just so people don't think I'm taking a shot at him. He said after the game, hey, we're a good – he said halftime, we're a good football team, and we're going to prove it. And they went out there and did it. And I think he asserted himself, his personality – end of this game. I don't know what went on behind the scenes, who did it, 
But And I think it came from Lloyd not being able to play, and then when they got their second team back banged up and he couldn't play too, they had to go to this. And, they, you know, hey, there's some risk involved, but, man, Spencer Rattler is a special talent. The throws he was making, if you go back and watch these games, guys, other quarterbacks can't make those throws, and I'm not trying to put anybody down. I've seen one or two in my life in person that I actually coached, and they're making a ton of money in the NFL now. This guy's special, and he wasn't. A, he was a part of it. But defensively, too, they did some things that we need to talk about too that were really outstanding. They played an incredible game. I can't. I don't want to stress enough how what an excellent they'd have beat anybody in the country Saturday night. I agree. Okay? Mm-hmm. They could be any anybody I, I, in the country. I had that thought go through my head. I said, I thought to myself, you know, they played so well, and I thought it was a case where, and this is rare. Every player, I think, played their best at the same time. I, I don't think there was one piece of slacking off offense, defense, or special teams. That was the kind of performance they had. And, and, and credit goes to the coaching staff. What are they doing? To get them up after a bad performance against Florida, we all know they didn't play well. Well, Florida, Florida flip flopped and played bad, bad, bad evidently against Vanderbilt. Congratulations to Vandy. But you know, here's the thing: they did it, and, and people need to quit looking at this thing. And, and I hate to say this, but you know, you can listen to the callers calling in, and, and everybody's in shock. And what everybody needs to learn to do is develop this into an expectation. That's how you develop a winning culture is you expect to win. You have to force it at first. You kind of got to fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. But there's there's no faking it now. They went out and destroyed, embarrassed. You hung 63 points. That's nine touchdowns on the fifth-ranked team in the country. And many people had them penciled in a national championship game, me included in that. And they destroyed them. Well, the and only other beat- team to do that to, to- – Tennessee really, uh, and South Carolina outscored every other team that Tennessee has played. Alabama yeah. scored forty nine, uh, Florida scored thirty three. Nobody else has scored more than that against them, but South Carolina put sixty three on them. I mean, it, it, it could have done more. I mean, they they literally had opportunities, not many because they scored nine drives. But this was a complete defeat, uh, a complete domination. And no excuses. And, oh, they weren't ready for this. They weren't ready for that. Tennessee came out, and, it, and there are a couple of key things here. 7.45 in the second quarter. I noticed Jalen Hyatt taking himself out of the game because he was tired. Uh, that that kind of shocked me. But but they did an excellent job on defensive playing. A very tough concept called an off-man coverage where it looks like zone. You let them catch it up underneath, and it's up to you as a, as a DB to come up and make the tackle. And Cam Smith and the and the Rush kid, they did it over and over and over and over. And by five minutes to go in the third quarter, Tennessee quit their hurry-up offense. I don't know if people noticed. They started standing around hmm. looking at the sideline. Hmm. They completely got out of that 16-second pace because they were knocked out of it. Hmm. Carolina out-physicaled them. Their defensive backs, their defensive front, their linebackers were active. This was a – when you said it, Phil, it was in every phase of the game and schematically. The defensive game plan for this game was excellent. The offensive game plan was A+, and the execution was A+. You don't beat the number five team in the country 63 to – well, really 31. They gave them the last one, 38. Mm -hmm. Okay, but without elite – Elite coaching and elite execution on the field, and there's no reason if they come in eighty percent of that, they're going to beat most people. 
and it'll be. It, I hope they show up. I hope they show up on noon up in Clemson because I'd enjoy seeing another performance like that against that crowd up the road. Because I'll promise you they've got their attention. Oh, no question. But Clemson played well against Miami yes. when you consider they came out of the gates and they scored a touchdown their first possession and I think the next possession. I mean, they put this game away early and then you hold a yep. team under 100 yards. And I I don't care if they got me or you at quarterback. That's that's doing a heck of a job there. So Clemson seems to be rounding into shape as well. And uh, let's hope we have both teams playing at a high level. I, I think Clemson's going to bring it again. They got so much. There's no reason for them not to. Number one, as you mentioned, they've got South Carolina's got their attention. But Clemson has a ton to play for in, in as it pertains to the college football playoff hopes. Well, absolutely. And, I mean, South Carolina still did them a tremendous favor by beating Tennessee. Hmm. Um, and that, that's one down they didn't expect to go down and as poorly as the other top four played the other day and as shaky as Southern Cal's defense looked in their ball game. There's nothing to say they can't get back in it. Uh, if you lose one game and you're a conference champion in a power five is an 86% chance or higher that you get in the playoff. That's a fact. That's not speculation. That's not fans hoping. That's facts. Now, South Carolina just became a quality win because of what they did last week. They're no longer a mediocre or also ran type team. Uh-huh. They're a football team that's very dangerous. I think in that ball game, Clemson did. They dominated the game. They did everything they needed to do, and I thought it was the best play calling they've had in quite some time. And, and and Big Cinco was definitely in the house. They played great, too. It was a really, really good day in the Palmetto State. If you're an unbiased observer to watch the two big teams in the state playing, very biased to see my Paladins go up and hang 63 on somebody. <laughs> Even in our best days, we didn't do that. So congratulations to them, too. It was well, a great day for South Carolina football. I mean, the state of South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, uh, Clemson had 27 first downs, 207 yards rushing, 232. 240, I'm sorry, 240 passing and uh, 447 total yards. They allowed 98. And you talk about the uh, Yangalale and what he did. He, he rushed, he led him with 89 yards rushing on 17 carries. Uh, he threw for 227 and two touchdowns. He did have the one interception. But I think the significant thing that's happened here since the Notre Dame loss offensively is they've made him a runner, really maybe made him a runner first. Um, he's, they put the idea in his mind to keep it and go get it with your legs, and that will help set up the passing game for you. I think you're dead on the money, Phil. That was one thing, you know, in the in the Notre Dame loss, he gave up so many yards, uh, two or three first downs, 60-some yards, I think I calculated, uh, him not pulling the ball, not reading the give there, and pulling it. He has not – he does not miss since that time. And, beat, you know, Louisville had another big win against NC State up here uh, this past weekend. So, again, it shows you how good Clemson's playing. And I think in this, I know you're going to get to the what do you think about that ball game. It's going to come down to him. If he plays like he did against Notre Dame, uh, Carolina can very easily win this football game. He's going to have to have a really good game for them to control the game the way they want to. And even then, if Rattler gets hot and he just gets the protection he needs, which is a big if now, because let me say this. There's a big doggone difference between Tennessee's defense and Clemson's defense. Team speed, size, the whole nine yards. They're not going to lay back. They're going to come after you, and they're going to come after you hard. And as one of my buddies said, it's a huge Carolina fan and booster down there to me. We always, since Dabo's been there, they always, they never take us lightly. And, you know, that's going to, 
it's going to, I'd just like to see a good game. I really would. Uh, but both teams this week, if anything sticks out at all, it's how good they both played. It's just phenomenal. And both fan bases ought to be tickled pink with the way their teams are playing right now. So the thing that you're pointing to both ways, for Clemson, you see the key, and it's simply to, it's simple to put it on the quarterback, but it's probably true, uh, how well Uyangalale plays, how effective he is running, uh, how smart he is throwing, how well he protects the football. And for South Carolina, uh, if Rattler is hot, if they able, are able to protect him, if the receivers are able to get some separation and make the catches, that's going to be the key for South Carolina. I think so. I mean, you, if you look at it, South Carolina, they weren't really getting a ton of separation. They don't have the most, other than Josh Van, as far as all-out speed, he beat, he beat some kids deep, and then he – you know, he's able to – then he got the fade stop on the t- other touchdown he scored. And he's a great blocker. But after that, you've got a lot of guys who are really just hard-hitting, hard-nosed, tough possession-type receivers that can break it if you miss a tackle or two. Clemson, of course, got the home run hitters. They've got the talent edge, no doubt. And that's why you got to say Carolina has to be there in the fourth quarter. Clemson's got – Clemson plays a perfect game. It's going to be very hard for South Carolina to win – South Carolina's got to play like they did this past week, at least close to that. And every phase, now the one phase you do give them, they could block a punt or two, create some kind of special teams advantage, mm-hmm. and hang around in this thing, and you never know. And of course, with the Palmetto Bowlers, we know for you know, if we grew up with it, you never know in a rival game what can happen. But if you've got to look into a crystal ball, which I've never been very good at, mm-hmm. I would I would say looking in the since since. Big Cinco got there and DJ. They both the same person. When DJ's playing, you know, they don't do too well. They're not going to win the big game. But when Big Cinco shows up like he did last week, Miami never had a chance. Mm-hmm. Like you said, what, 98 yards to us? Insane. That's, that's little league football numbers. And he, he they destroyed two good football teams in Louisville. Miami's mediocre. I wouldn't necessarily call them good. Mm-hmm. But any, as you said, any you hold any ball club that low in major college, you've done something. And, and, and you know, uh, big number 11 didn't even play for him. Uh, he was yeah. out. So, yeah. so, so they're playing the man short. I'm sure he'll suit up for this one as he can. And it, it just makes it really hard. But if – they're off a little. If they come out flat, which I can't imagine, but Clemson, in spite of that 40-game win streak, and their fans will tell you this, they tend to ebb and flow at home. They may come out flat. Or they may, if they come out hot, they have a little in the second half. The first half of the third quarter, they didn't play really, really well, and everybody's wanting to play well so they can jump back up and have a chance at the playoffs. And, you know, media was very vocal about that. The fans were. These fans know the game. And there are a lot of nervous Clemson fans out there, which I think is what makes their culture so great, is they're realistic and they understand what this game means. And I just hope that these transfers that are coming in here, especially for South Carolina, need to understand, okay, you beat Tennessee, but that don't mean nothing if you lose to Clemson. Yeah. That's how it's viewed. And I just – that's one thing I hope that Coach Beamer – and he knows the rivalry. He's been – and he knows how important it is. And he's proven, at least in my eyes, to be a really good big game coach already. One thing he's proven, he's had some huge wins already. This would be the biggest one could he pull it off. But now, if you think they need to play good last week, guys – it's got to be at least that good this week, and Clemson's got to make some mistakes, which if you play well, you can force them into, especially 
in special teams. My friend, we thank you very much. You have a great Thanksgiving with the family. Enjoy all the football coming up this week, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Thank you. Okay, there you go. First and 10. Zach Willis up first with us every week to break it down for us. We appreciate him being with us, as always, with some great insight on what to expect in the ballgame.